He said they liked the quality of our stuff. Our, my boss, when I when I sent oh. the request, oh. he was like, "That's a yeah. high quality podcast." That was Very his one cool. response, and he was like, "It's yeah. a cool boss." So, well, yeah. As a lifelong Wall Street Journal subscriber, uh, he uses my he uses my login. No, I do not. <laughs> I most certainly do not. It's uh, nice to nice definitely to hear. include that on the podcast so that and be like, now that you've come on, I'm yeah. gonna, oh, we're live. I'm going to con- continue my my subscription. Um, you're doing a lot of video. Yeah, is that is that because you wanted to, or did they tap you and say? Hey, you might be good at video. Can can we try this? No, that was part of the deal coming in. Like my job when I when I started was gonna be like half video and then half print. Okay, so, so you want that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was why, why I came over. Uh, I just I think video is where people are like. Not Couldn't agree many, more. I don't I don't think there's that many people reading the full article, and so if you can hit people with like a three minute video or a ten minute video, you can actually get them to like pay attention. Can you say as much in a video as you can say by writing more? You think you can I, say more? No, nah, I mean, I think... I'm not sure. In a video, I think there's just, there's less of a need to be specific because you can have, like, charts and graphs and you just, boom. Whereas in a, a print article, you got to say, you got to write it all out. And people okay. have to read through it. Whereas, I'm going to show you a chart and yeah. then that backs up what I'm saying. You, I mean, you can't do that in writing, though? You can't... You, you can't, no, because you have to explain, you kind of have to explain out everything. It's- oh, I see what you're saying. So if I write if I write an article for the Wall Street Journal and I include a chart, I could put a caption under the chart, but I can't like walk people through it. Right, exactly. They're Whereas, looking at it and you don't know what they're looking at. I can say like investors doubt the Fed will or investors think the Fed's going to cut rates through and then I can just show you like Fed fund futures. Right. And then that's it. Whereas I have to in an article say like investors say in this, you know, and I'll have to explain out, like, here's what this means, here's what these things are. Yeah. Whereas in video, it's sort of understood the audience has limited time, so you got to, like... Well, people don't build rapport with with your writing. It's, like, it's much harder, right? People build trust a lot faster if they listen to you. Yeah. Or, see, or see, distrust. Or see, or see you. Yeah, the seeing is definitely... The seeing is a big part of it, and then it's generational. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're trying to get people in their 20s and 30s to pay attention to something, it's, I think these days it's harder with a 500-word thing in print. For sure. And I think that is, I don't know, with the newsletter, when I used to do the newsletter, um, I feel like that really got people because it was in their inbox and mm-hmm. it wasn't like a thing they had to go find on the website 100%. and read. It's just in my inbox. I open, I'm scrolling, boom, and oh, okay, cool. 100%. And that we, was... We had Ben Smith on. You know Ben? I have not met Ben. I, like, you I know, know who he is. is. But I, yeah, I don't know. So he was saying... Uh, you know, they started Semaphore, which is like this new, new, new media thing. And like the best technology they have is email. <laughs> like, yeah. put it, like literally put it in someone's box. And that's like better than any kind of social network engineering thing that you could try to do. Yeah, for so sure. It's, still, it's amazing. It still works. So all of our stuff goes out via email. Also. You know what email stands for? Electronic mail. That's right. <laughs> God. Are there, is that a thing that people don't know? Do you find that people are not you think aware that, of this? Well, if there are people that don't know that, did you think that I was going to be one of them? No, I was, I was making a joke. Bizarre, 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 bizarre. The Google right. machine. Am I ready to put my headphones on? Duncan, you done fiddling? Yeah, put them on. Uh, more or less. Okay. Yeah, we're doing, we're, we're doing headphones already. So, no, when Duncan fiddles, I get the shock to my ear. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you were talking about the Knicks game? Yeah. You, I mean, you thought that you texted the group. It's a gigantic win or something. Well, I didn't say that, but yeah. it was. But it was. They pulled to within two. Did I say that with a few minutes? Yeah, it's huge. No, it's I, it's it's a it's huge that they won. It was not a great win. 
I win as a win as a win. I understand. No, the last you three, the last, saying, the last yeah. three minutes, I literally got lightheaded. Yeah. One time, I had to sit down because I was screaming so I loud. I honestly thought they were about to blow it. Yeah, it was really rough. And then uh, uh, Barrett's miss and iHeart's put back. You watch? Like, you watch the game? I did. Yeah, I watched okay. the game. Yeah, yeah you, a Knicks Knicks guy or what? I, I'm what's your team? not a Knicks guy per se, but I, I went to the you Garden the for game two. You hate the Knicks. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Where, where <laughs> did you go? Out? I went. To, I'm, I'm from Denver actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm a big Nuggets, a Nuggets guy. guy. I'm going hard. I'm going hard for Jokic and Murray right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but uh, Murray is so good. I love Murray. I, I've been telling people about Murray for years, when nobody wanted to talk about him. Well, when he was going head to head with Donovan like yeah. four years ago, and then he got hurt like, right. really badly. Yeah, the thing. People finally learned about him in that 2020 in the bubble. People were like, oh. Oh, this Jamal Murray guy. Yeah. And then he got hurt and they forgot yeah. about him again. Yeah. They were like, oh, why, is this, why can't this Jokic guy win? And it's like, well, there's two max players not playing right now. Yeah. And then this year, it was like, oh, yeah, Murray. Yeah. And Porter's. Does Denver deserve a team that good? Absolutely. The city? Whoa, what is that? Absolutely. It's not a basketball city. It's a football town. It's a football town. It's, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. a football town. But like, we also have gone hard for the abs. Like, we, we just haven't ever well, had a champion. makes sense in, in Denver. Because it's football cold. makes <laughs> sense in Denver. I just, I don't know. I feel like that team's too good for where they are. Uh, wow. No, no wow. disrespect. Wow. No, 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 what do you mean no disrespect, son? Like, what no, you talking no, about? What you trying to any, say? We love, we love the state of Colorado. I'm jealous. I'm just, I want Jokic. I want, I want yeah, a guy well, like that on, on my team. You can't. We don't have that. You like, are you a Nick? You're a Knicks fan as well. Yeah, we just we don't have a guy that could take over a playoff Excuse game. Excuse me. Excuse me. The way Jalen or Butler can. Jalen Brunson is an absolute animal. He's great. Thirty-eight points. I listen. Yeah, he's I, not a top five player, but he's f- awesome. I don't think Butler's a top five player. <laughs> in but, the playoffs, he is. But in the playoffs, he just could take a game over at will. So New York Jaylen. does not have that player. Right. He just did last night. He took it over, or he played really well. Dude, he had thirty eight points. He no, took over. He took over. He took over. <laughs> but here's what I'll say: like we've never had a championship basketball team. Never. You're like, close. Never. We, we got really. Kettle, you have to watch the conference finals. Right? Yeah, Western Conference, yeah. that's, the, that's yeah. our best. That's Wait, were they peak. good when, like, Carmelo no, was there? Yeah, Melo that's, and Bill. That was the peak. Was we the... got to the Western Conference Finals one year. Yeah. And Co- you lost Kobe. When is that? Was that 05? No, no, no. That no. was, like, Later, uh, 11. 11? Yeah, it was okay. 11. And we lost, basically, because we couldn't inbound the ball. It was the <laughs> wildest. Because another bad coach we had, George Carl. Okay. I hated George Carl. That's the last time that you guys were as good as you are in the Jokic era. Yes. Is okay. Carl the guy that looked like he was 85 years old? No. Oh, you no. think Who uh, think Popovich? No, no, this was a Nuggets, Nuggets, coach. Nuggets coach. He just looked like really old. PJ Carlissimo? Was he out for the Nuggets coach? I don't think PJ was no? out for the Nuggets coach. I don't know. We had a bunch of kind of no-name coaches, and then we got George Carl, and then we got this guy Michael Malone. So I'm trying to— What, what do you think What do you think's going to happen in the finals? Like, who do I think is going to the finals? Yeah. I had, so I came in predicting Nuggets and Bucks. Uh, Celt- now, Celtics? Celtics? I, honestly, I really want the Sixers. I want I want Nuggets Sixers more than I want. You know why Nets I want the Sixers? Else. I don't, like. Excuse me? What? <clears throat> you want the Sixers? Want the Sixers ahead of Boston. I, my assumption is that the winner of that series ends up in the finals. I feel like James Harden's the best player in the NBA that's never been there. Wow, okay. I, yeah. I, I, but I sports hate all of the all the you're cities that are still there. You're talking about best for a long period of time. You mean that's never been right? Because like, like, Jokic is the best that's never no, been. No, no, no. He's never been to the finals. Yeah, but he has more time. Right, okay. Harden doesn't look, seem or look Chris like Paul. he's going to do this for another three years. I would. Yeah, yeah I would Chris Paul's the best player. I also think Chris Paul's more deserving. Yeah, for sure. Like James Harden has spent a lot of his money at strip clubs. And I mean, a lot of his off season at strip clubs. You could clubs. do both. You could, you yeah, could do no, both. but you can't though. You can't. Like you got to decide. <laughs> 
there's a point at which you got to make a decision. Like, what am I going to do tonight? Am I going to rest up and get a good night's sleep? Am I going to be with little baby at a or strip gonna, club? Right, or am or I going to... Right, right. and, and Chris Paul, he made decision one, and James Harden has made decision two. Yeah. I can't believe what Harden did. And was it games three and five? I know. Whatever games it was. One and three. Yeah. One and three, one and four. But yeah, yeah, he was great. I, I have really been down on Harden for Everyone, Yeah, how can you not be? He's off on he's been what's off the on the best, playoffs. What's the best uh series though? I feel like the LA Golden State series is no, like No, Phoenix Denver. I think Phoenix, Phoenix I mean I'm Denver. biased. Yeah. So I'm, okay. I, yeah, the Sunday game was amazing. That was a, an incredible game. Actually, I, there, are we are we all uh three two right now? Is everything three two? Everything is yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, I think everything yeah, is three two. These 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 series are going Who's the gonna push it to seven? I, I think Boston. I think Boston Philly is going yeah. seven. Uh, I think Nuggets I take care of business tonight. I hope. I don't want to. I want. I don't want to speak on it because I don't want to yeah. jinx anything. What time is? What time is that game? Uh, 10. Ten. That's a problem. Well, it's, I could watch it tonight. But it's so late. That's the problem. That's why I don't yeah. see m- as much of those games. Right. It's it's why a lot of people have slept on Jokic for all this time. Yeah, you don't see and him. He's just he's awkward. Yeah. I remember and when he I first looks started like a doofus. Him. He does. He walks like a penguin or something. And his shots, they don't look like they should no, go in. Every time he shoots, I'm like, how does this go in? Right. It's so just, ugly. Right. He's just like Marcus Camby kind of. A little like that's his like, shot. But even even when he's up close to the rim, like he's got this floater that just kind. It looks like what you would do in third grade. Yeah. He's also like one of those guys. He's just that like a British dude. He seems he seems like he controls the tempo of the game. Yes. And there's like like there's a few players like that that are interesting to watch. Like you just see the dominant like the dominance. Right. And however they dictate the game's gonna be played, that's how it goes. I, I tell people all the time, Jokic, he's like John Stockton and Shaq combined. Oh wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And I was like, yo, this is with a little dirk, a little dirk in there. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, what, are we, right. what, what, what episode is this? 90? Are we at 97? 97? 94? I don't know. Oh, wait. Who's our 100th? Who's the 100th guest? Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried? No, I don't know. Who do nice. we have? I'd love to tune oh, in. Don't even say it. Don't even, don't even say it. All right. John, what episode is it? Episode 92. Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Redholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Redholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hi, everyone. Hey. I'm Josh Brown, here with Michael Batnick, and we're here to tell you about Global X ETFs. Michael, did you know that Global ETFs was founded in 2008? No. And for more than a decade, they've been pioneers in the thematic investing space. I've been aware of them since at least like 2010, I would say. Uh, I met these guys once. I, I did a bell ringing with them. But what are they known for? You tell me. But they have a... No, thematic investing is big. Like Thematic investing is something that the public loves, and it's just a question of which theme catches fire at a particular time. All right, so what's a th- what's a thematic investment? AI, clean energy, etc. Well, I was about to give it to you. So okay. for example, there's an ETF, the ticker is PAVE, that's U.S. Infrastructure and Development. They've got a lithium and battery ETF, the ticker is LIT. So things like that, copper, r- miners, robotics, and AI. Oh, bots, that's a big one. They've got more than 30 forward-leaning thematic strategies. It's a research-driven approach to thematic investing. You can learn more at globalxetfs.com slash insights. See the link in the description of this show for more on Global X thematic strategies. 
episode 92 of Compound and Friends. Welcome back. It's your favorite financial-flavored uh, podcast. Everybody's here. John's in the house. Duncan's here. Nicole is here. Robbie P. Is it right? <laughs> it's been a minute. I haven't given you your, your, your shout-out yet. Uh, Rob Passarella is sitting in with us. And our special guest this week, I'm so excited for this show. Uh, I wrote you, we wrote you like a, a, um, a, an official, an official, okay. L- listen to me do the name too. Dion Rabowin is an award-winning journalist writing about markets and the economy for the Wall Street Journal. His work has appeared on CNBC. Reuters, Yahoo Finance, The New York Times, ESPN, and others. Dion Rabot, and welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I, I love the applause, but I love the effects. This is great. What'd you like. do? What? No, that's real. That's a real crowd. That's you a real just, crowd yeah, behind but... the glass. Well, what did you do for ESPN? I didn't even know that. Uh, so when I was down in Brazil, I covered uh, the World Cup, and I just oh, kind of wrote cool. about here's sort of some of the business economic stuff going on surrounding the World Cup. What year was that? It was 2014. Who won that year? That's like uh, Germany, I think. Did USA was USA like competitive in that one? I actually the thing I wrote for ESPN was about how people thought the US might start to be competitive. And then no. Uh, and then no. Uh, well, it was people were saying in maybe 10, 20 years, this is the start of them being the US being competitive. And do Brazilians actually buy it? And they a, a few of them did. They were like, oh, yeah, you, but there's zero percent chance. You, or, it, 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 that's a Michael, that's a Michael Banneke. Zero percent chance. Wait, so you got you interviewed Brazilians about the, the US team? And yeah, they were, right. That was one of the things I did. They must have thought that was funny. <laughs> a, little, a little bit they, funny. No, I think they expect it. They think that Americans are all about us. So they were like, yeah, of course, that's what you're okay. about. Okay. Speaking of Brazil, we're going to start off talking about inflation. Uh, Ooh, great segue. All right. So let me just let me set people up, though, a little bit on you because um, I watch all your. I'm a, so I'm a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal. And like everyone else, I'm consuming as much. And you were going to end your subscription until I until, agreed to come Until on you came along. That's right. Um, like everyone else in this world, I'm like defaulting more and more to video and audio. And I'm not reading as much as I used to. It's not because I don't want to. It's just this is the pace of life now. Your videos are like ubiquitous all over the Wall Street Journal's coverage. Like because you're talking about the most important things that are going on right now for investors. You talk – Inflation, you talk banks, central banking, the Fed. Like this is what this is the ball game right now. So, uh, when did you start doing video for Wall Street Journal, and what's it like to be the guy? Wow, all right, that's quite a question. Uh, it's a so, good one. It's a good question, though, <laughs> it's right? A spectacular okay. question, right. Josh. Thank you so much for asking. Of course, it. of course. I so when I came on, actually, this was going to be my job from the beginning. They said we've got this new role we're creating uh, for this thing we call journalists as creators, people on YouTube, and so your job will be to have a YouTube channel, and we want you to talk about markets. And one of the things that I found when I started doing that, we initially just started out doing these kind of longer ten-minute videos about a single subject, um, and what we found pretty quickly was like ten minutes. It's too long. People don't want to sit for on 10 one, minutes. On one topic. On one topic. Right. What they want is quick, bite-sized, you know, three minutes, get in, get out. And so we started kind of, we, it took us a while to get from 10 to three, which is how long they are now. But then the other thing that we've been able to do that we found recently is if I do a live stream, I can go a little longer. So I can do seven minute live streams, 15 minute live streams, 20 minute live streams. And we'll do it like um, yesterday we did one on CPI data, or I should say Wednesday. Uh, CPI data came out and we unpacked the CPI. What a pro. Because <laughs> you know this goes up tomorrow. I, I know, yeah. yeah. How so, about that? 
So, Look at you. So Wednesday, 10 a.m., after yeah. the CPI data comes out, we go through the CPI data. I say, here's what markets are doing. Here's why markets are doing that. Here's what was in the CPI report. Let me take you through the details. Here's what markets are reacting to. Here's the part, you know, if you just look at the headlines you might not get the full story. So let me give you the full story. And we can do those kind of live streams. And that also gets put up on the website. So here's what I was going to say about that. You can get all of that video from Bloomberg or CNBC or Fox Business also, but you might have to wait 30 minutes for them to cover all these other things. Whereas if somebody just wants that right away and the video is sitting there, they can just click it. Okay, here's WSJ's take on CPI data. I got it in three minutes or five minutes and I'm out. Right. That is the way, that's the, from, from my perspective, that is the way things are going. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree completely. And I think I also try to explain it in a way where if you're not a, you know, savvy financial professional like yourselves, you can still understand what, what I'm talking about. You can still relate to. Like if you're right. clicking, op- if you're opening up the day, I know it's a lot of numbers and it can be kind of intimidating. I try to say, no, 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 here's what that means. Here's what this actually means in context. Let me contextualize it for you. So for YouTube, that's what's necessary there. Twitter is very different. Twitter is like, here's the most sophisticated take. Yeah. With like- Is that the, a joke? No. It's <laughs> I'm dead, deadly serious. Some of the smartest people in the world who pay attention to economics are on Twitter and they will like look for the most obscure detail of a CPI report and they'll do like a, a tweet thread on it. Yeah. And most people, they have no idea what's going on. They just want to know enough that they can get on with their day and their curiosity but did is, you, is did you sated. S- did you seasonally adjust that tweet thread? I did not. It could be five, like it could be longer, you mean? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So they let you set up your own YouTube channel though, which is interesting. It's not WSJ's YouTube channel. No, so it is WSJ's YouTube channel and they've set it up. It's just like, like any YouTube creator out there, like a vlogger, like a YouTuber, they have their channels. But this is a WSJ, like, Dion Rabon Markets channel. That's what I mean. It's like it's like purpose built for a creator. Yes. So you so you look more like a creator, and the channel looks less like it's a Wall Street Journal. It's everyone knows Wall Street Journal, but like they're leading with you and yeah. not just with the brand. Yeah. This was very intentional. This was yeah. part of a like a partnership that the that they have with with Google with YouTube okay. because they they want more evidence-based and more, you know, factual content Google, on YouTube. Google wants more. On YouTube, yeah. Yeah. And they they say so partnered with WSJ and that was part of what we did was we're trying to create more good stuff on YouTube rather than just a bunch of noise or right, because just kind of- Because YouTube things. could have a thousand people submit a video on CPI the day it comes out. But if one of those is- this is a, a journalist who works for Wall Street Journal, is responsible for the things that he says. That's that's a win for them to put that in front of the audience and not just the other 999, you know, God knows what. Exactly. So okay, totally get it. So you having fun? Yeah, it's been great. It's how, been really good. How often are you how often are you guys putting stuff up? So I'm going, I do a weekly look ahead on Mondays, uh, okay. Mondays at 10 a.m. And then we'll do a second live stream at some point, depending on when data comes out. So like this week, it was Wednesday with CPI. Next week, it'll be Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Tune in. Okay. Uh, with uh, when retail sales come out. Um, on Fed Day, we go live uh, right after the Fed meeting. So whenever that is, it just, and so it moves with data, like jobs, CPI are the big ones. But if there's a big, um, we've done existing home sales when real estate was a big thing. Uh, so it just, it depends 
opinions on what's happening, and we'll have each week usually two. We might be scaling that back to one. We'll see. But um, every week I, I do like a look ahead, and then you know something based on it. Because there's event. a rhythm to this stuff. Every month, it's the second Tuesday of the month. This comes out, or right? Like, exactly. So there's like. And then what's interesting is like the things that people pay attention to evolve over time. Yes. And there were things that we used to obsess over. Uh, the unemployment report's a great example, actually. In the great in the recovery from the great financial crisis, every first Friday of the month was unemployment day, and it was a huge deal. Yeah. And now that's not the thing. The thing is CPI. Right. And in three months, God knows what else it will be. So you guys will adjust to that. <laughs> I remember when PPI was a big thing. People were like, PPI, and, people, yeah, and I had yeah. been telling people like, yo, we got to look at PPI. Yo, I can't, I can't get hyped for PPI. I'm sorry. Well, I do, I do well, my it's, best. It's back to being boring now. But like when PPI okay. was going up to, was I think 11 it peaked out at? People were like, people were hyped. PPI was trending on Twitter one day. Like that was how. German PPI. Yeah, people were really excited about the Deutsch PPI. German PPI. Uh, I sold all my stocks when German PPI disappointed, so, <laughs> and uh, I'm still wait, I'm still waiting to get back in. All right, so April CPI is the big story this week. What did ben. you th- What did you think? I thought again, it was just aligned with expectations. It was, it, and this has been the theme for I think the past couple months or so. Really, there hasn't been a data report that's really disappointed or whatever the opposite of disappointing so would be. it's not shocking anymore. Well, there, it's such yeah, a good point. Last year, last year when we were getting the 4%, I guess 4% prints was probably two years ago at this point, but when we were first getting those big prints, right. the stock market went wild, right. the VIX went wild. Now we get 4% and it's baked in, right? We, we on. It's it's baked in and it also is bullish, right? Like you saw the you know, stock market went higher after that. I think actually initially right after the print, it jumped up and then kind of came back down and then went back up again. But yeah, exactly. Like four and 4.9, like we're saying four, but it really is closer right. to five. Let's put this chart up, John. Uh, this is consumer inflation. This is year over year. The blue line is prices without food and energy, which is theoretically less volatile. And then uh, the gray line is just plain vanilla headline. So we're at five, 4 point what percent? 4.9. 4.9%. Yeah. And then the month over month was 0.4. Yeah. That's, so that's like what everyone's, to your point, that's, this is just what it is now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah but, but it is in line with expectations, but it's still high. Like you're going to have a three handle, like two, two prints from now. Just, just roll off from, cause remember this stuff is year over year. So, like, we're getting there. But month over month was 0.4%. It's, like, not right. nothing. It's, and coming off such a high base. It, no, it is, it is nothing. And that is kind of the, I don't know, the back and forth in markets. It is, and really, it's all about stickiness now, which is tough to extrapolate from, uh, you know, from a print, right? Is, is this sticky? Are we going to stick here around 5 4%? And that's the big question because if we roll down to 3%, I feel like the market's going to go crazy. So, it's, I mean, this is not a homogenous report. There's a lot of different categories and subcategories in here. Yes. Food away from home is up 8.6% year over year. That's like Applebee's. And it's it was up 0.4% month over month. So it's yeah. still going. I got a food truck yesterday. And you know what? I was reminded. I got a food truck yesterday right outside the Salesforce building. I love food trucks. I haven't had a food truck in five years and I don't wow. know I don't know why. I hate food trucks. I'm, I'm very anti-food trucks. What so. kind of food was it? Why about? don't you like them? I feel like the premise doesn't make sense because I used to go to food trucks back when this first became a thing in LA. And the whole idea was we're in a truck, so this food's going to be cheap because we know that yeah, we can't provide now. you what okay. you would normally get in a restaurant. But now it's like, yeah, it's like the food you're getting out of a truck is twice as much as you so get. I'm glad, you, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because I got like Middle Eastern. It was like chicken kebab over sal with like the white sauce and the red sauce. And mm. I, I love that shit. It was $16. Yeah. yeah I, saw the, I, the, from a truck. I think there was a, a Luke's, truck. Luke's lobster truck with a $30 lobster roll. 
It kind yeah. of defeats the purpose. But, so what is, but that's my point. So that's up eight per, uh, 10% year over year and it's still going up. Still 0.4% uh, month over month. I feel like that's just a thing. Like food trucks, I've been anti-food truck for a while because people just figured out that food trucks are now a novelty and so they can charge more for them. But that has been a thing. And actually what was really interesting, I talked about this in the live stream, was food at home had been going up a lot faster than food away from home. And you and actually last month, I think food at home was down 0.2%, whereas food away from home was up. So they kind of flipped a little bit. Yeah, so food at home, you're right, uh, was up 0.1. Food away from home was 0.4. But not to belabor the food truck point, but you're so right. When we used to be at the other place, there was like the falafels that I would get over rice, and it was like six bucks. Yeah, the good yeah. old days of twenty eighteen. Good old days. Are you talking about a cart or a truck though? Because I think you were talking about a cart, no, and that's a whole different. No, no, no. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't f with carts. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I'm a truck snob. Only <laughs> trucks. <laughs> Only, tr Only trucks. Right, let's put up this one month percent change in CPI. So this is this is the real thing that really matters. Um, and so point four. Last month was 0.1. That was a little bit more benign. February was 0.4. January was 0.5. That's literally from last month to this month. And that's this, that's the inflation that people feel, yeah. right? Like nobody remembers necessarily what they paid for something last year. But if there's a big material jump from last month, that for me, like that's the type of inflation that the consumer really like takes issue with and and yeah. – could could have a substantial impact on the economy. But again, this is like within the range that we've been seeing since, I don't know, this is last August, right? So uh, anything anything to say about this bottom chart? It's trending in the right direction. Yeah. I would so. say the top chart, I mean, you look at the difference between April 22, May 22, June 22, and then oh, like savage. February, March, April. That That's a huge difference. That was wild. Ju June, so June CPI, June 22, CPI up 1.2 percent, right, and that's over May. Yeah, right, month before. But yeah, look, yeah, point four. Stocks, point were nine, stocks were crashing. One point two, uh, you know, during that period of time. So it it actually it 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 made sense, and now things seem to be moderating, which I, I guess is is the whole point. Um, some of this moderation is coming because con financial conditions are tightening, and some of it is just. We're not in a pandemic anymore. Those shortages no longer apply. Well, energy. Other than, other than labor. Energy was the big one. Right? Yeah. What was the – did gas ever hit $5? We, ha we $5? have this. Uh, U.S. headline CPI. So services is blue. That's the big one. I love this chart, by the way. It's um, a beautiful chart. Who made this? Was, yeah, that's from Bloomberg. Okay. Uh, I, I, oh, I, was I, I hate he this hate, chart. He actually this hates chart it. This trash. <laughs> out of here. I'll tell you one better. It's, it's, it's uh, a trash-ass chart out of here. Zero Hedge, Zero Hedge tweeted it. Zero, oh, okay. All right. It's actually factually incorrect yeah. now, that, now that we mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, Now get it out of here. All right. So, f I mean, food is calming. Everything here seems to be calming down except for services, X, food, and energy, which is sticky. That's the stickiness that you're talking that's, about. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly the question. Because you see, as you can see, and this is why I previously, before I knew where it was from, said I like this chart. But you can see the services components start to get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And the numbers are coming down, but that services bar just is going up, up, up. And that's the thing that isn't right like it's not exogenous it's not something that was necessarily i mean people are going back and paying more for services now because we're we're more excited but we're kind of removed from that right like we've been going out and the prices aren't coming down and the prices aren't coming down so, so, so the, look the, at this the top five individual contributors of u.s headline year, uh, year over year like gasoline is not even there anymore um re rent is looks like plateauing uh I don't know, used cars and trucks, that's negative. What else is in here that's like meaningful? I don't 
I don't like, know what all this we, stuff in turquoise so, is supposed so to be. So used cars and trucks are down. Negative. Yeah. Are down 6.6% year over year, but up 4.5% month over month. Right. Which is that really was a, weird. There was a huge month for used cars. Yeah. And new new cars and trucks went the opposite way. New, new cars and trucks, I think, were were down. New, but, new, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, new new vehicles were up 5.4% year over year. We um, have these month over month. John, you want to switch? So this is month over month. And, you know, energy is small. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not falling. But the problem is the blue line. So getting back to services, the year over year increase will obviously come down, right? They, they can't continue to rise. It's 5% forever, but the prices are not ever coming back down. Right. Disney is never lowering their prices. Yeah. Like all of these things that we pay for, for these activities, ticket prices are never coming down. That's right. Unless we have like a severe recession. The rate of change will slow down, and but so, you're not getting back the prices from five so years that's, ago. So that's the sticky part is, is the thing. Yeah, and the other really interesting part about this, right? There's a few. There's a I, I could talk CPI all day. I'll try not to, but um, within CPI, so shelter is has been a big part of this consistently. And in that last chart you show, you could see shelter also uh, the percentage increase going up and up and up. But what we've seen in real time data is that rent prices are coming down, yeah. right? Like you're or at least slowing down in terms of the increase. Right. But you're not seeing that in CPI, and it's because CPI, like the housing component of CPI, is a lagging indicator because generally we all sign new leases in January, or you know, everything starts in January, and so it just gets fed in over time. And at some point, that is expected because of the real time data we've got on rent to just drop and really sizably come out of the CPI and that could make a huge difference. So you could start seeing that's when we're going to start being worried about uh, deflation <laughs> and it's and what's, any, any day now. And it's so crazy because it's I so I literally asked someone from I think it's uh, I think it's BLS uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics that's put this, that puts this out. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I got a bunch of acronyms in my head, but I asked someone from the agency that calculates CPI. I was like, why is it that um, shelter is such a lagging indicator and you can't and he was like yeah, it's, and he kind of explained everything I said, and I was like, okay, but why can't you guys fix that? And he was like, yeah, we just can't. Yeah, make it not lagging. Make it not, like, and— Adjust it. So and I was like, and is there a way you could explain it so that I can explain for our readers, like, why it is this way? And he's like, no. I, it just it's, is it's, what it is. It's weird. A lot of this data they've been collecting the same way since, like, the 1960s, yes. 70s. And it's just, if you start changing how we're publishing it, you know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to say, oh— Biden wants to report the inflation differently. You know, like it's almost like it's almost worse to correct it, which is why now you see a lot of economists turning to like apartments.com and they're looking at more recent data yeah. to try to get ahead of when that. So a lot of people are update, up. updating like for Zillow numbers. Like if you include that, it looks a lot different. Yeah. And that's the stuff that, that Jerome Powell is pointing to. He's saying we've see, we're seeing this in this more real-time data, and that's telling us that actually shelter inflation is coming down, and so we're not as worried about this overall pace. We think the, the market is responding or the economy is responding to what we're doing. Okay. So it does seem like inflation is heading the right direction. We got PPI data today. Producer yeah. prices rose in April at the slowest pace since early 2021. That, yeah. that helps. Put that up. That's wholesale inflation uh, continues to moderate. So this this didn't seem to freak people out as much, but these numbers were every bit as extreme. Right. As, oh, yeah, they were. Or, or more so. Yeah. In, and in, it in, led CPI up. So every time you – and you were getting kind of PPI the, usually the day or two days after. And CPI would be like five and PPI would be six. And then yeah. the next month CPI would be six and PPI would be seven. Right. And you just had that consistently happening. And then now it's led it on the way down. And now you see down 2.3%. They Right. Year. So they both peaked – 
let's say February, March, April of 22. And they've both been coming down ever since, just not as quickly as people would have liked. Yeah, like I think CPI peaked in June. And I think PPI peaked okay. and then had a little bit more of a pickup there. But yeah, basically. Okay. And so the, the market's reaction, at least the bond market's reaction in terms of where, what does this report do for Fed funds rate for June? Uh, people still, people think they're going to pause. So yeah. this is the chart on the screen is showing the implied probability of a 500 to 525 Fed funds rate, which is where we are today. Mm. And uh, there we are. So it's basically close to 100%. So the market thinks that the Fed is done. Obviously, yeah. there's a long way between- 100% probability that rates are still where they are now. Yeah, now, now this, this, this literally changes every single day. And June is over a month away, obviously. I think it's June 23rd. Yeah. Um, but the market, the market's saying but that we it's got, But we got, we got the employment report. We got CPI. We got PPI. I don't know. Is PCE later this month or PC do we have it already? We get, uh, let's see. PCE you got one in June, but. Yeah, it's because it comes out as part of the GDP report. But there's also another PCE. There's weird PCE reports that okay. come out. But um, anyway, I, the, the super interesting thing, because I get super into Fed fund futures too, um, is the market is pricing in a 0% chance that rates will be where they are now, five to five and a quarter at the end of the year. Meaning zero percent. So, yeah, all lower. lower. And and it's I think right now the odds are on 75 basis points of cuts. Yeah. And that's where like I think it's 40 to 50% of the that market. That sounds is. weird to me. Why do we think people are pricing in cuts? They're not it's, saying they're gonna cut. I mean they're not. They're saying the opposite. They're the saying five year treasury hold. is like a three point two percent yield or something right. or three point six. You're you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing across the board, like the market does not believe the Fed is gonna hold. They they and it's when we're getting to the point where the rubber is going to meet the road. A thing that I said on, on my live stream uh, a few weeks ago was, or actually it was at the most recent Fed meeting. I was like, all right, the easy part's over now. Because it was like inflation's rising. It's getting out of control. It's all anyone can talk about. Just you got to raise rates. rates. You got to raise rates. Obvious. Right? Okay. It's obvious. So now they've gotten to the point where, and we're going to talk about some other things that I think play into this. Um, but now, okay, inflation's coming down. Right? You've got unemployment starting to pick back up. You've got these banking crises and all these other things. Now you got to make decisions. Mm. Now you got to say, what do we prioritize? Because we got two things happening here. We got the economy kind of starting to deteriorate. A lot of these Fed manufacturing surveys, a lot of PMIs, all those things really starting to look pretty right. bad. And then you, but you also got inflation, CPI at 5%. So now what do you do? And this is, this is the hard part. The hard part is like, do we stay? So we're not, we're not raising anymore. Okay. Yeah. Do we stay here or do we start to cut in advance of what looks like a recession in 24? I mean, is that the the route? Because there's no sign they're of- not gonna, They're not going to do there's that. There's no recession this year. And the Fed almost always reacts and is not proactive. So it could be a while before those cuts it, show up. It could be, yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But again, the market is very clear on this. Like you, you look at the bonds. You, you were just talking about the five-year, three-year, like- very clearly showing they do not expect the Fed to hold here. At five. Yeah, the two years three nine. Right. So no. one of the biggest market moving uh, events is every time Powell's on stage. Yeah. Right. Every time Powell's on stage, the market does what it does. Value Stocky has a hot take on the Fed. Um, he said, "This is a guy on Twitter. The Fed should be less transparent, less guidance, less speeches, no minutes from meetings, just brief press releases announcing actions, and keep it all behind closed doors." All of the speculation around statements is a waste of time for everyone involved. I think I really agree with that last sentence. How many? How long have you been listening to me say this? Like Wait, the so Fed should just shut up. What's this guy's name? Value Stock Geek. Value Stock Geek. Is that is that Alan Greenspan? 
I think it's. Bur- <laughs> I, I th- swear to God, I think it's Greenspan. It might be Greenspan. <laughs> I think burner. it's Greenspan's burner. Yeah, I think it is. Or maybe that's Powell's burner. You guys well, know Powell's burner. That's how right? Greenspan used to roll. Right. Exactly. You'd that's what I'm saying. Twice a year, he'd do Humphrey Hawkins testimony, yeah. and then when they did a, a rate hike or cut, he would explain it in a statement. You'd have to read it. Yeah. So somebody on CNBC would read it. It wasn't even English. Yeah. So Dion, was, is is the Fed too transparent? Too much talking. Ooh, that's a great question because they're doing this because they want they don't want calm, to sh- yeah. they don't they want calmer seas right they don't want all this crazy you know people freaking out they want to give you as much advance notice as possible and what we haven't seen really on Fed days though is just the market freaking out after a cut or a hike. It's like generally it's priced in and if they do a little more you get a little more reaction. If they do a little less they get a little less reaction. Whatever it is, but. The point was to calm things down, and I don't know that that's yeah. necessarily worked. Well, um, this is a tradition that's recent. This is Bernanke started the press conferences. He They would do something with rates, and then like almost after an NBA game, you come out and say, all right, here's what we're looking at. And then they would he would read a statement, and then the Q&A. That's all yeah. in the last 15 years. They weren't doing this prior, and they could stop. They could. And Powell's the guy who started doing them at every press conference. They didn't used yeah. to be every press conference. It used or to every, be this every is a meeting, live meeting sorry. or this, uh, right. this is a press conference meeting. Now it's every time. Did every Yellen do it every time? No, Yellen didn't. No, Powell was the one who started doing it every meeting. Yeah. Mm. Yellen did it, I think, four times a year. And Powell was like, no, no, not enough. Also, every meeting. when Yellen spoke because it wasn't 40-year high in inflation, like it wasn't all eyes. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like must-see TV like it is now. Right. It's, it's weird the things people want to watch because I remember I used to be a sports reporter and I would go to these press conferences with these coaches and then they started putting them on TV and I was like, why does anyone want to watch this? Like I go because I need to write an article and I need quotes from this coach to fill out my right. article. And I, I feel kind of the same way about the Powell Presser. Like I watch it because I need I need quotes. I need to see what the chairman says so I can contextualize. You, you, guys, you ever Did you ever get sent to Washington to be in the room? I've been so I've never actually been in the room in DC. I was on the Powell presser like when they were doing it virtually. Oh, yeah. I was one of the yeah. I was I was in that, but I was no. I actually actually went to DC for. Who does the journal send these days? Not uh, anymore. No, Tim Ross. I'm a, oh, I just, Tim Ross, I just right. called him Woj, by the way, by accident. <laughs> so, no, because we call him Fed Woj. Fed Woj. Fed Woj. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's Fed Woj. So, so getting back to just this inflation, John, if you put this chart on, please, of the wages. Obviously, wages are a huge component of inflation. I don't know if, infl- if wages drive inflation or if inflation drives wages. But the good news is, I guess, just strictly on inflation, is that we've got Bank of America data on after-tax wages and salaries. And they all peaked uh, about, a, I don't know, two years ago at this that point. It's like 21. And so they break it down into into people that are making less than 50000 between fifty and one hundred twenty-five, and over one hundred twenty-five, And they're all going down to the right with the 125 and above category negative year over year. So if you make over $125,000, you're this yellow line. Yeah. And that is now negative wage growth for that that group. So so when does this hit services? When does this hit the economy? Does it not? Is this just a normalization of an aberration? I I actually don't know that it can't be both of those things, like the normalization of an aberration and also it, it hits services. I think we've been in this environment where people had a lot of built up savings. People, you know, they they put a lot more aside because you just couldn't spend the money, right? There was literally, you couldn't go outside. You couldn't go to a restaurant. You couldn't go to a bar for a long time. And then I think for a while, people were afraid. People didn't want to go to bars. They didn't want to go to concerts. They didn't want to go to NBA games, right? And as that's slowly reduced itself, you see people, okay, now I want to go travel now. And you had a big rush. But 
folks' wages have not kept up with inflation, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're just now getting to a point where CPI and the wage growth are, even are at the, similar Even levels. at the low end? No, at the low end, at the low end they were, which at, is At the low end, they were huge jumps yeah. for hourly yeah. workers at the low end of income. There were, but those, but I mean, you're talking about someone who was making like minimum wage. Yeah. And then that person now is making, you know, like instead of eight bucks an hour, they're making 10. 16. Well, no, I mean, if you, you think about the, the jump from like, like eight to 10, yeah. that's a, what is that, like a 20% jump? Yeah. My, my quick math isn't good. But that's yeah. a 20% jump. That's double CPI at its peak. But it's right. But the dollar amount is small. The dollar. So right, that's right. what we were talking about. We were talking about those folks, right? Those folks going from 8 to 10 or 12 to 14 or 12 to 15 even. That's going to – it's going to help you out in your life. But it's not in the from the economy side or from the, you know, big picture macroeconomics. It's not going to make a big difference. Right. One thing I do want to point out though because we didn't talk about it in this was um, – we are right now on pace looking at earnings from Q1. Uh, corporate net profit margins are expected to pick up for the first time in seven quarters, I think. You had six straight quarters of declining from the rec- from the record. Yeah. So the record was 13% net profit margins for S&P 500. We are picking up now, I think it's, we're on, point, or on pace to do 11.5% for Q1 23, which would be the first increase in six quarters. And that actually, I think, will have a lot more to do with inflation if inflation picks back up because you've got now companies with that with more pricing power and executing that pricing power. Yeah. Oh, they've done a great job. Company like US and companies have done an amazing job keeping up with inflation. Absolutely. Yeah. They've actually outpaced well, inflation. You could say yeah. that they were they 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 poured gasoline on the inflation fire because they kept raising prices. Right. All of the companies in the stu- consumer staples that continue to raise prices, look at their stock prices. They're on fire. Yeah. Pepsi and all of them, they're they're on fire. So we're getting some signs that the economy might be softening. We had U.S. jobless claims today jump to the highest level since 2021, right? So it's it's notable. It's not like, uh, you know, you would have to squint if you zoomed out to <laughs> see it. That is going. But it's going. It's, it's a breakout. Moving. Yeah. It's a so, breakout. So what is this, 264,000 jobless initial jobless claims last week? Yep. And what was it a year ago, roughly? 200? So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. so, so it's a new range. But, 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 but again, these are historically low levels, yes. yeah. right? And unemployment is still historically low. Uh, but you've got that. You've got you've got copper breaking down, having one of its worst weeks in the last couple of years. I mean, not last couple of years. I think it's worst week in maybe a year. Um, I don't know if copper means anything. It's you, you know, say Doctor Copper. Doctor Copper. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, but okay. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding you for sure. Okay, what's this one? This is gold. This is from Dan. Let me say. Oh, is this this is my yeah. This is oh, my this target. is large versus small. Yeah, yeah. This is a bit. This is a big one for me also. Maybe so are these companies I can uh, do have pricing power versus those that don't. I no. I think this is actually expression of worries about the recession. So I think what what we're seeing is I agree. rather than folks kind of piling into treasuries, they're kind of piling into big tech. So, so this is the Qs. Yeah, way outperforming the S&P year to date. And then the Russell 2000 is actually negative this year. Right. And just looks horrible. And I 100% agree with you. Like, it's just just money flows into the equities of companies. And they're starting to use mega cap tech. I don't want to say as like a safe deposit box because it's still volatile. But it's almost like Apple will be fine. Right. That's the mentality. Apple will be fine. I think that's like 60% of it. And maybe the other 40% is these companies, not Apple, got the shit kicked out of them. And they were really good at 
at writing things and protecting their margins and cutting and efficiency. Facebook fell seventy five percent. Amazon got more than cut in half. Google was down forty five. Yeah, it's a, it's a combination. And I so agree. it's it's also a bit of a snap. Where back. these stocks are coming from? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's both. It's both. I, things. Yeah, agree with that. Agree with that one hundred percent. Why why can't we just take all of the data that we all discuss and feed it into the blockchain? No AI. <laughs> There you go. Like that's the new yeah, yeah that's what's out. <laughs> My man. Let's say you took yeah, a yeah, let's say you took a hundred years worth of all these economic data series, and you fed it into AI, and you said, "All right, now you have everything. <laughs> go back, look at what would have been optimal monetary policy based on these fifty data points on the economy, and we'll just have a community of humans who once a month look at what the algorithm says to do with interest rates. Do they have to follow it?" No, but it's strongly recommended uh-huh. that if they're going to deviate from what from what the AI says, you mean dissent. That they, if they're going to dissent versus the AI, they better have a damn good reason, like a bank run or something exogenous mm-hmm. that's not in the data. But if not, like the AI is better than this committee of twelve people who used to be professors at Princeton. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like I'm just spitballing here, but yeah, like, yeah. I- it is, it's like a Star Trek episode where they land on a planet and there's no government. It's like Star a computer. Trek. old are you? What do you mean? <laughs> You're old. Star Trek's on like now. Stop. No, but like you land on a planet and there's a computer determining what the laws are. And it's the inputs are this is how the least amount of people get killed. So these should be the rules. So if we, I would just be curious to see. Let, well, let's not put the AI in charge. Let's just run it in parallel with the Federal Open Market Committee. And see how far apart they are. Wouldn't that be an interesting experiment? So I'll say that is that is from Star Trek, but it's also from Idiocracy, like that Ooh. thing that you and maybe so it's not so, maybe it's not so good. <laughs> so there's, there's you know there are preferences, but but no, I I think you're onto something there, and I think it's kind of the same reason it's taken MLB like 20 years to you know get an automated strike, and we still don't have. An actual audit, and even though we've seen very clearly that, like, what is the reason we don't need umpires? It's just tradition, right? Tradition. Exactly, and I think that you'd get that same pushback with the Fed, except for they'd make the case that you know, no, the people, would it's like the illusion of control. No, people want we'll humans. Let, people want humans with their hands on the steering wheel. Well, let Powell do the press conference. I'm not saying like sh- shove the AI in everyone's face, but just like the just committee, don't tell instead, anybody. Instead of the committee parsing fifty different things. We let the algorithm do that, and then the committee can dissent or agree with the AI. You know what the best algo is? And then do is? the press conference. The best algo is the two-year. Just How about they just follow that? Just follow the two But it's not an algo. It's people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but so they have like a human AI, which is all the researchers who you never hear about right. at the Federal Reserve. You can throw it out. It's not working. Throw we have a boom bus cycle every seven years. What do we need it for? I mean, it's great. It's no, it's I, it's good content. Yeah, but that's, like that's a, lot, a lot of economists out of work, man. I don't know who's going to back Actually, hang that. on. The, the economy has been incredibly steady, ex the pandemic yeah. for the last twenty yeah. years. Because you printed well, 20, eleven trillion dollars. <laughs> no, no, thirteen, thirteen, fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, yeah my bad, my bad. Because you because you because you put opiates into the system. Right, yeah, ten trillion. You, the nine, nine. Let's be honest. Between the Fed, the Treasury, okay, all yeah. the all the congressional uh, uh, programs, right. it's like a lot of money. It is a lot. That of we money. Threw, it it would be Francisco, remarkable if it weren't steady. The San Francisco Fed is estimated there's another five hundred million dollars worth of uh, excess savings to be that will be burned off by the end of the year. Yeah, and yeah, that's so, that's actually a little a little rosy. What do you think? That's optimistic. I think that's optimistic. Yeah, a little bit. Fine, but we, I've said this before, but it, it is a bit ironic that the thing that caused. The, in, the thing that caused inflation, which ostensibly will cause a recession, is 
is the one that's pushed, keeping the recession at bay, right? It was the, it was the fiscal stimulus, all of that money, obviously supply chain had a lot to do with it, but all of that money really caused the inflation. But all of the money is continuing to allow people to spend, yes. which is keeping the economy at float. It's very yeah. odd. Uh, Drucken Miller says U.S. on brink of a recession sees hard landing. This is this. That's, that's not like him. He was at a Iris own investment conference, which I guess they do virtually now because I didn't get invited. Uh, I am predicting something worse than 2008. He did Dr- not say that. Oh, I am not. Excuse me. He did I am not. not pre- you're right. I am not predicting something worse than 2008. Drucken Miller said yet to be a good risk manager. Quote, it's just naive not to be open-minded to something really, really bad happening. I only know that he didn't say that because I saw a clip. No, 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 no. I, I feel you. I saw a clip of him saying, I am not saying this is worse than 2008, so don't, don't isolate that. No, that's that. literally yeah. what he said. I'm not predicting <laughs> yeah, something yeah, worse yeah. than 2008. And you said no one was predicting a recession this year. Uh, yeah, hey, no, I got, every I, economist. I got, I got. <laughs> no, it's for real. In the beginning of the year, towards the end of last year, that was all we were talking about was 90% of economists agree a recession will come. Yeah, that was. I did an article about that. Was well, it? What, I, I interviewed all the all the uh, banks that are primary dealers. I asked them, "Do you predict a recession?" Was it legit ninety? It was close, right? I don't know. It was ninety. Okay, but it was uh, it, it was, was off most. the charts. Yeah, it was like most. You, you talked to the chief economist at every one of those banks. I talked to someone who could tell me what the chief economist, like whatever their official yeah, yeah, yeah. opinion was, if they had a house view, like whether was it recession or not. Actually, question: Why wouldn't they predict a recession? Well, because why would you? Because if you're wrong, you lose more for being wrong. No, you don't. You, yeah, you do. For sure. No, if you say no recession and there is one, you're fired. Yeah. If you yeah. say yes, recession and there isn't, you say, well, the, the, the economy is stronger than we thought and carry right. on. There's yeah, no reason but, to be a contrarian if you're an economist going into 2023. And why be a bull? Yeah. Who does it help? It's no upside. Who does being a bull help? It, well, it helps if, you, if you're right, right? It's like the payoff it's asymmetric. Right. It's no, asymmetric. No, I agree it's yeah. asymmetric. Yeah. It's asymmetric because if you're bearish and wrong, not like – Doom saying, but if you're just like, yeah, I'm concerned about the economy and then things work out okay, nobody gives a shit. No one's mad at you. Right. But if you're like, everything's fine, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then you have a recession, you're out. But I think you're comparing two unlike things. And this is a thing okay. that us journalists get annoyed by because what you're Should saying you is, leave? is <laughs> yeah. Michael, my, my cool stay. All right, yeah. go ahead. No, what you're saying is a, a hard no recession versus a wishy washy, I think this could be better. Yeah, you're going to get pounded okay. more. That's so that's why every economist tries to take this. Well, I think under these conditions, perhaps under, you know, in this case. However. However, on the other hand. Yeah. The job is not to be right. The job is to keep your job. Yes, the job is to keep your job. I understand that. So it was, it was hard. Advisor. So I think I when, <laughs> when a lot of, yes, exactly. Right. I think when a lot of these uh, banks come out and say, we think there's going to be a recession, I think that's meaningful. Okay. All right. Well, we had a lot, and they're still yeah. saying it. And, and they're still saying it. Yeah. And eventually there will be one. If they keep saying yes. it long enough, it'll, but, it'll happen. Uh, can we talk about the banks? So are you having fun yet? I'm having the best time of my life. <laughs> All I'm right. These are time. tweets from you. Okay. Um, if you're wondering which banks are next to be tanked by investors, here's a list of the banks still in business with the highest percentage of uninsured deposits. That's deposits – in excess of 250000 Yes. You have East West Bank Corp, which I think has a lot of Asian uh, money in them. Mm. I don't know if it's overseas or what. What 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 is the makeup of that bank? East West Bank? No, it's, I mean, it's the East West Bank, right? Like it, is, it does cater it, to a lot of right. Asian money. But it's, you know, it's a bank. I think they're headquartered in California. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. But okay. they're, you know, it's a lot of- 67% of their deposits are uninsured? Yeah. As of okay. 12, 30, Comerica, 64%. What's up with that? Oh, wait, I, I have a dumb question. 
if you haven't moved your money yet and you know that the oh, power No, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, PacWest this morning uh, released it was like 9.5%. But but you know the the government is not going to let you lose your deposits. So like why bother? <laughs> I think cuz maybe you don't know that. But I, you do. Like yeah, probably. But I, again, it's Probably. It's not for sure. It's like, yeah, probably. All right, here's today. Regional bank stocks plummeted again Thursday after troubled California lender PacWest disclosed it lost 9.5% of deposits last week. (laughs) Okay, let me unpack this. This is literally, this is a Beverly Hills-based bank. So Silicon Valley Bank blew up on March 10th. It failed on March 10th. Um, So PacWest stock took another dive last week following reports it was weighing a sale or a capital raise. Those headlines, PacWest said in an SEC filing today, heightened customer fears of the safety of the deposits. The majority of the 9.5%, when I say 9.5% drop last week, that's almost 10% of the deposits in the bank left. They said the majority of it happened on May 4th and May 5th. So really in two days, this is a bank seeing 10% of the money leave. What, what the hell kind of system do we have here? So, so this is kind of interesting. Mark Rubenstein did a great piece on PacWest, and the stock is down 23% today. KRE. Is that it? KRE, which I, I unfortunately, I'm probably overstating my welcome in, in that ETF. I, I do own it. It's only down, it's only down 2.2% today. So maybe, maybe it's like some of the contagion is behind us, and it's just being isolated at this point to the banks that have all of those uninsured deposits. Yeah, that was so. That was why I wrote the the tweet. But then my next tweet, which yeah. I also included. Oh, let me finish your tweet. Okay, so you named uh, Comerica, Western Alliance, fifty five percent, PacWest, fifty two, Zions, fifty one. That's the percentage of deposits that are uninsured. Your follow up tweet was: Here are the banks that had the highest share of uninsured deposits as of twelve thirty one, two thousand twenty two. Silicon Valley Bank, ninety seven percent. Signature Bank, ninety. First Republic, sixty eight. Yeah, they're all gone. Gone. Okay. Right. I, I'm not saying anybody deserved t- to lose money, but however, however, <laughs> why? Would you, <laughs> would you be why would you have three million dollars in a checking account earning zero when when the Fed funds is at four and a half? Yeah. You want to know why? Yeah. What mortgages? Because you're the founder of a company. All right, fine. You parked the money there, and they gave you okay. a sweetheart mortgage. I get that. I do get that. But for everybody else who's not the founder, what's going on? This is the thing I could not answer for you. I wish I knew the answer. I I thought that myself. I mean, they did this story about how Giannis has like fifty two bank accounts for two hundred fifty thousand dollars each. In any I way. believe it. I, I I feel like if I had Giannis money, I would do something similar. I would invest a lot more he's of it. Also, than European. He's Greek for the last yeah. ten years. Yeah, it's Greek. worse than European. He's yeah, Greek, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So I totally understand that. Right. So I mean, and by the way, just that comment. I'm talking about the Greek banking system. Yes. Like, oh no, 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 I'm no. Not, that's not an ethnic. The Greek thing. community we love our Greek will respond. Viewers. We love our Greek. Viewers. No, I had kebab yesterday. I love Greek food. Are you okay. kidding me? I'd like to distance myself from Michael yeah, yeah. Batnick right <laughs> now. <laughs> Says, <laughs> it's very tough. We're in a small room. All right. Uh, commercial real estate. Do people ask you about this every five minutes? Surprisingly, no. I, th- I honestly okay. would. I'm kind of disappointed. I don't Do you have like a strong opinion it. on this, or not really? I've been saying to watch this sector for about a year now and nothing has really happened. So I've just kind of stopped talking about it. But now things are starting to happen. And it's kind of the same thing as what you were talking about with unemployment. Like it's not the the level, it's the direction or it's the, the trajectory. The direction is bad. Yeah, the direction is bad and the trajectory is bad. So two things. One of the things why nothing's blowing up yet is that these buildings are owned in like a separate LLC. 
Yes. And the own like the quote unquote owners, it's like pooled capital. It's rarely like a Jared Kushner. It's asset family. managers. It's asset managers. Everybody owns a small amount of everything. So so that's one of the things. So if one building in particular is a problem, it's like affects one LLC and not like a big corporation per yes. se. Yeah. So that's one thing. Second, um, the owners of these things are in court for three years before they actually lose the building. Yep. This is not like a, a, a mortgage on your house or a car that could be repossessed. You really have to fight like hell if you're a creditor to get an owner out of their ownership of a building. So this is the pace of this is glacial relative yeah. to other things like a bank that blow up. Right. And this is, I started trying to write this story and I found out those things and also just how long a lot of these leases are and how, how hard it is to get out of those. Just make it so a thing falling apart in an instant that would make an interesting story. And it's it, not going to happen that way. Doesn't, right. And so that was why I just didn't write a story no, about it because- an awesome powers where he's like screaming no and there's like a bulldozer. Yeah. That's like moving very slowly towards yes. him. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it's not cinematic. Right. The rate at which these buildings are going bad. I mean, San Francisco maybe is a little bit more Josh dramatic. Josh said San Francisco is a zero. No, I said, what if a city goes to zero? I didn't no, say he said San Francisco's going to zero. You, don't try to deflect <laughs> what you just said about Greek people. <laughs> uh, all right. Robin Hood earnings uh, came out today or or last night. Last night. Uh, the stock went up today. Do I have that right? I think the stock, let's see. Let's take a look. Stock is, yeah, stock's up. What do you all think right. about 24-hour trading? So we're going to go there in a sec, but let's just look at the earnings. They lost 57 cents a share. The expected loss was 62. So pretty good. It's basically a blue chip. Uh, <laughs> revenue was better, 441 million versus 425. I thought this part was interesting. Payment for order flow remains a significant part of Robinhood's business, uh, even as it has begun to make more money from other revenue streams, such as you guessed it, collecting interest on customers' cash balances. Uh, no run on Robinhood's bank. Um, during the first quarter, the company earned 36% of its total net revenue from payments for routing stock and options orders. All right. So one, I thought that was a much bigger part of Rob Robinhood's revenue. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought actually. payment for order flow was like 90%. Did you know that? It's only about a third at this point. But that's, I'm, I'm just pulling up the slides from my sweet, sweet quarter app. That's because... That's because net interest went from zero to what was it? Yeah, $208 million. Well, not zero. It was like 60-ish a quarter in 2021. It was $208 million. The irony of the Fed raising rates and that being Save the thing Robin that Hood. bails out Robinhood Robin is Robin. amazing to That's me. It's incredible. It's like pretty poetic. So in other words, the Fed jacks rates up 500 basis points, puts legitimate banks out of business, uh, legitimate air quotes, <laughs> and turns was, Robinhood into a double-digit stock price again. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. That's poetic. It's. I mean, it's, it's let's, look, let's look at some of these charts. I, I, I actually love Robinhood's slides. It's very, very clean. We're looking at net cumulative funded accounts, and it's just flatlined from Q2 21. It, it's just, it's stagnant. Uh, there Uptick. Are, what's that? Uptick. They added 120,000 accounts in Q1. It's not nothing. Stop. I mean, fine. What? Stop. <laughs> it's flat. Where are they finding 120,000 more kids that haven't it's lost flat. all their money yet? But look at the monthly active users. So again, it rebounded, but 21 million at the peak, and you guessed it, 2021. Uh, can I tell you something? This is going to move with the market at this point. Unless there's another meme frenzy, 
basically Robin Hood new accounts are going to be a proxy well, for how did the S&P do last I think last there's quarter. a floor. I don't think it's going to go below 11 million. Like, give or take. I don't think so Like either. We already got the washout. If the market falls on a 30%, it doesn't matter. These people are still trading. Uh, there's another great chart. Listen, this so this is this is credit to them and credit to corporate America. Their adjusted EBITDA uh, bottomed in 2022, and like every other company on Wall Street, they got religion, and uh, their margins are up and going in the right direction. So yeah, they're still losing money like on a cash basis, but it's not as right. But it's just not as bad as you would think. Single digit stock price, no meme stocks to trade. They're making money on and other stuff. They aggressively uh, cut their stock their stock based comp, which was completely out of control. Yeah. But they did announce, to Duncan's point, what did they announce? 24-7 trading? Well, so I hate this because I'm a Gen Xer, and so I knee-jerk hate everything that didn't exist when I was 23 years old. Mm. Um, maybe I'm – so I'm open-minded to maybe being wrong on this, but they want to do 24-7 stock trading. I, I guess all the counterparties would also have Robinhood accounts, and they would probably make you sign a waiver. Like, I understand that these are illiquid markets and – Maybe my execution yeah, won't be optimal. They'll update their terms of service. They'll update their terms yeah. of service. And the people that are so desperate to get a trade-off on a Sunday morning will be able to. Maybe it's not the worst thing on earth. I don't know. I just like things the way they are. So what, what That I, is very Gen X of you. It is. You gotta you gotta take on it. Like, <laughs> leave it alone, it's fine. <laughs> nah, I, I Does anyone want to watch stock prices seven days a week like it's crypto? Does I anyone think, really want that? Yeah, I think because yeah. that that's who their user base is. But do right? you know that? Do you know? Do you know? Does anyone realize how important that circuit breaker that we get every night is in volatile markets? How amazing it is that like the bell rings at four o'clock. There's two two hours of aftermarket activity, and then it's almost like fighters return to your corner, ding ding ding, and you get a break. You get eight hours to to fight with your wife, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and like. Do I still want to panic sell everything I own? Who's making markets at two a.m. Eastern time? Like, like, liter like, literally, probably like Binance type people. Here's a quote: People who are gaming other people. I saw Meb Faber tweet this today. This quote is probably close to hundred years old at this point. Okay. It's from Edwin Lefevre, who wrote *Reminiscence of a Stock Operator*. Lefevre, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to it on purpose, but it's just, it's definitely not uh, the fever. I'm just reading what's Le on the screen. I'm just reading what's Le on the fell. screen. Okay. Sorry. I was in France recently. I think we could take my word for no, it. No, I actually mispronounced it. It's Lefevre. But it I definitely is not fèvre. pronounced that way. I know it's Les jours c'est je, je parle le français, nous parlons en français, tu ne parles All right, take it back. Avec mon cheval, je parle Allemagne. Oui. Avec les dames de la court, italien. Ah. Mais parler avec mon Dieu. All right, John, turn his mic off. Sous le monde en français. <laughs> All right, the no, he challenged me in French. You don't even know what's going on. No, I have je no peux parler français uh, uh. aussi. Si nous que nous pouvons euh, parler toutes les toutes les shows toujours. God, I, pas. All I can <laughs> think of is Talladega Nights. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Read this quote before uh, before we forget what we were talking about. The quote about. is. Anything that helps make addicts out of an, out of occasional traders should be avoided as if it were the bubonic plague. Well, that's what this is. Yeah. Sorry, but that's their business model. Yeah, right? they like, need them. They need like addicted behavior. Right? right. That is that. I mean, that literally is Robin Hood's business model. I don't. I don't think that's controversial. Not at no. They need people to trade because yeah. that's how they make their yeah. money. Yeah. Agreed. So anyway, I hate it. Maybe maybe it'll happen, and two years later I'll get used to it and I'll be over. You know it. what? I I don't think it's. A, I don't think that many people are going to be 
doing this. This is how it starts. <laughs> Wait, by the way, starts. what starts? And what is your well, fear? Well, no, of this? so my my feeling is so when when the market closes and there's like a frenzy going on, good or bad, people need a break. Like I don't think it's healthy for people to be trading all day long, even if it's just five days a week, when right now it's enough with the trading. You got 9.30, 4 o'clock, there's pre-market, there's post-market, enough. Like, stop. Everyone put pencils down. Tomorrow's another day. You, you can wake up and maybe feel differently and calm down. When we get these, like, really volatile markets, I think people are going to wish there was a break. And if you're a professional doing this, now you have a responsibility to monitor ro what Robinhood traders are doing at 9 o'clock well, at night. How about this? Josh is right in the sense that nobody who's trading in the after hours, whatever the hours may be, is going to make money except for the market makers. Right? Consistently. Like, people, right, are gonna right, lose, right. people are going to lose money doing this. Robinhood right. will make money. Market makers will make money. Investors will lose or gamblers will lose because that's what we do. That's what happens. Yeah. And now you're going to have to start making videos at 8 o'clock at night. For the <laughs> no, no, that's that's what's not happening. I will say you sound you sound a bit like my dad complaining about the I rappers know. with the gold jewelry. I'm very aware. I'm very that's, aware that that's where I'm I'm headed. And the low pants. Why they don't pull their pants up? Yeah, yeah. I know where I'm going. You know what? Josh acts too old and too young. For so, his age. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, I'm a bit of a mystery. Um, I got to ask you about this because this is crazy. Mm. And I didn't even know – I'm not on Twitter, so I didn't even know that this took place. But we were doing research on you to do the show, and you got arrested or handcuffed oh, or something? <laughs> what? This thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to – What did you response. do? I love the genuine response. I don't want to tell – I don't want to tell the story, and I don't want you to have to, like, tell a whole long story. But, like, just explain – because this is – and then you got an apology from the mayor. This is a big deal when it happened. Well, no. When it happened, it wasn't a big deal. Okay. It was, the aftermath. Yeah, the aftermath. Okay. So you killed thing. five people, and then what? <laughs> no. What? Tell us what happened, because this is nuts to me. Uh, no, I was I was at a Chase Bank in uh, Phoenix. I'm gonna call them out by name. Um, I was at a Chase Bank outside a Chase Bank in Phoenix. I was doing a story about savings counts, um, and literally, I was just trying to talk to Chase customers because I was like, the story was, why do customers at these the big five banks like your Wells, Chase, Chase uh, uh, you know, all those, uh, why are they still here instead of moving their money? Because I calculated how much money these people could have saved if they have not kept their money. At the when is it? Is this, this summer? Is, when, this was in November. November of last year. November okay. of last year. Yeah, okay. November 22. So at this point, interest rates are going up. Like you're getting three handle probably or four on, on a savings These account. These people are getting 10 High. basis points. Right. So exactly. why? All right. So why? So why? And, you know, one of the things we're, we're doing as journalists is just like, let me go actually talk to people. Right. So I literally went to a Chase bank to be like, hey, person who is a customer at Chase, why is it that you're choosing to keep your money here? And I, you know, eventually was able to talk to people and they said, you know, it's just, it's the ease. I don't feel like I'm losing. So, I'll, you know, whatever. So I'm there doing that. And um, at some point, one the manager of the branch calls the cops um, and says, there's this guy out here. He says he's a reporter because she sent kind of two of her. In the bank or outside I'm the outside bank? the bank on okay. what I thought was a public sidewalk. Apparently it's a private sidewalk. Chase owns the sidewalk. Oh, you don't want to do that. Is what I, is what I learned. <laughs> Were you by I, yourself with the mic? It was just 
me. Like I again, I'm a print reporter, so I just had a recorder. Okay, right. So I don't have a. You and Ben always wonder where do these quotes in these Wall Street Journal stories <laughs> come from. I He's telling you I how do. the, the sausages. Yeah, made. we just okay. we just hold a recorder yeah. and I ask you questions. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm just out there, and uh, they, they a couple guys come out and they say, "Hey, what are you doing?" I tell them I'm a reporter. I'm working on a story. I'm just here interviewing people, and they're like, uh, "Okay, can you not do them?" Like you know, I'm over here on the sidewalk, and they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna have to go in and call somebody and see what's up." I'm like, "All right, cool, do your thing." Um, and I will say the the background on this is I've done this, you know, for years. Like being a reporter, sometimes you go, you go out to a place, ask people questions about the place. Hey, you know, this sandwich shop has listeria. Why are you still eating here? Or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, sometimes you have to break bad news to people. <laughs> yeah, right. right? And, and, you know, but that's, it's part of the job. And sometimes you see the cops are like, hey, man, you can't be in front of the door or, you know, you can't stand here. And so I'm thinking like, you know, whatever. So cop shows up um, and he goes in the branch. I see him. He comes out. I'm thinking he's, you know, I, I think I'm on the sidewalk. So what can he really say to me? Uh, and he's like, you know, hey, they want you trespass. And I'm like, what does that mean? Um, he's like, they want you, you know, banned from here. And if you come back, you're going to be arrested. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like if they asked me to leave, I would have left. Like no big deal. Uh, and he's like, no, well, they did ask you to leave. I'm like, well, they didn't. Anyway, um, 10 seconds later, he puts me in cuffs. And I'm like, oh, wait, listen. Wait. You had identified yourself to somebody in the bank that yes. you're a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Yes. And they call the cops anyway. And they call the cops anyway, right. <laughs> okay. Um, you have to keep in mind, like, for people who are just listening to this, I'm a black man and a large black man. So, like, the idea that I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, oh, hard so for them to believe. That, you think there's some element of this where they don't even believe you? I So, I don't know because at, no one ever asked me. No one said, hey, are you really a reporter? Do you have credentials? So you Can you show us something? That. Yeah, I volunteered. Because I was telling all the customers, I'm like, hey, I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Right. Can I ask you, you know, do you have a savings account here? Okay. And so I told them, like, yeah, hey, I'm a reporter with the journal, et cetera, et cetera. So the cop comes back. He doesn't even actually ask me. He just tells me, they want you trespassed. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, they want you banned. And I'm like, well, we don't need to do all that. And he's like, you know, yeah, we do. And like I said, really within, I think, because they've calculated this, a couple of stories that have been done. It was like within 90 seconds or something. He puts me in cuffs. I'm like, oh, listen, I will I will leave here. You know, I'll leave here. You know, if you say I got to go, I got to go. That's fine. I'm not going to, I'm not resisting. I'm not refusing yeah. to leave. I just, you know, don't understand what's going on. But he puts me in cuffs and like starts trying to take me to his car. And I'm like, I'm not going to go get in your car. And he's like, yeah, you are kind of, this story has been very well treaded over time. So people who want to read about it like can. He's going to take you somewhere? Yeah, basically. Like he's going to book you? That was my my thinking. Holy and shit. And so I'm just like, yeah. You tell him you're a reporter? I, yes, I, I, okay. I let him know. And so this woman who come, who comes out of the bank, she starts recording. And I'm like, that's great. Thank you very much for that. And Do- she's like, what's document. your name? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, document this, please. Yeah, that's great. Um, And, you know, I'm telling her my name. I tell, you know, she's like, Are you, I heard you say you're a reporter. I'm like, yeah, I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. I tell the cop I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so you should have said Fox News. They would have they said, <laughs> have a nice day, sir. That's, All right, go. I'm sure. Keep going. That was a mistake I made. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so eventually it, it turns out um, that they just, you know, he lets me go. I am, uh, I don't know if he broke me up or whatever, but I don't actually get arrested or charged with anything. Okay. They just kind of let me go. Um, but then, but now there's a video of it. So that's like, now there's, then it gets a new life. So actually the way it got a new life was um, a reporter in Phoenix found out about, it. I don't know if it was from the person recording or someone, you know, whatever. Uh, and he reached out to me and this is January at this point. 
So the oh, wow. journal had sent a, a request for like uh, our editor in chief at the time, Matt Murray, had sent an email to uh, Jamie Dimon, actually, like emailed Jamie Dimon himself and emailed uh, the head of the chief of police and some other people like, hey, what happened? We don't think this is OK. We yeah. want to know, like, what's your response? Oh, that's cool. Like They um, had your back. Yeah. They yeah. wanted to find out what happened. They okay. Yeah, they, they went back and Chase, to their credit, like. Two days after that, after, you know, we all got together and whatever, maybe like a week later. They raised their deposit rate. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Just for you, though. Just, no, that'd be, that'd be great. deposit rate is 18%. My, my de- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. that'd be a, that'd be a that actually be a great way to say so you're what, sorry. So what do they do? They no, have the corporate comms. Yeah, their corporate yeah. comms chief called me and he said he was sorry. He said right. they're you know training people over there. He understands that's not the way that these things should be handled. I mean, I'm sure they were humiliated. Like the corporation, I'm sure they were humiliated. Yeah, they they genuinely felt bad. And then um, after the story came out, like the mayor of Phoenix call or emails me actually he says you know we're sorry this happened. This sh- this shouldn't be happening. We've you know reviewed the body cam footage. The only people I still have not heard from, and we're still we're still pushing, people that work there. is no, no, not the people that oh. work there, but the people like the police department, like the the officer involved. Go the Nuggets, f- the Suns. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you, so this is personal now. <laughs> it's always been personal, Josh. Uh, what's Unbelievable. Your, all right, just imagine a world where you could get handcuffed for literally doing your job, and uh, I mean, I don't what, have to imagine. You don't have to imagine. I I was reading these stories, and I'm like, wait a minute, really? the hell is this about? Yeah, and if for anyone who's like, no, that's not what happened. Like, the body cam footage is online. But wait, you can, you, you can but watch wait, it. you did not that day get footage from this woman who filmed it, upload it and say, I was arrested today, but no. this just came out like two months later. You're yeah. saying, oh, that's crazy. It came okay. out two months later and yeah, and then people started calling and, you know, like I talked to the reporter in Phoenix who first broke the story. I did an interview with him and then I, yeah. I didn't do any more interviews about after that because I didn't, it wasn't the thing I want to talk about. No, I don't, I don't blame you. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I just thought it was wi- a wild story. Um, is there any like takeaway from this that is like relevant or anything you want people to know? I mean, racism is real. Yeah, I guess. I I thought I, I thought that was I thought that was nuts. Uh, we'll end on a lighter note. Are you going to call her Liz Holmes, or are you going to stick with Elizabeth Holmes? What I'm, do you think? I'm well, sticking with Elizabeth. I, I think I'm going Liz. Yeah, I kind of. What about Elizabeth? Like uh, girl from the Dragon Tattoo. Listen, I know mm-hmm. she probably almost killed people with right. fake blood tests and stuff, but uh, but kind of feel like it's America. It's the land of second chances. Uh. And uh, she has a baby, maybe two babies. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. You know, no, I just feel bad. Okay, I know so she's going to. I'm you not know saying don't thought. jail her. Jail her. She's, <laughs> Put her in jail, but call her she's Liz. She's a criminal. But call her Liz. But if she wants to be referred to as Liz, <laughs> I will abide by it. I, yeah, no, I'm I'm up, I'm up for that if she wants to be Liz. I, I'm just saying, like, what you did is, is f***ed up. You obviously are Convicted a criminal. Convicted felon, Liz but Holmes. But she's going away. All right. Uh, Google I.O. Day. Uh, do you follow, you follow like large cap tech stocks individually or does any of this stuff really matter that much to you? I'm not a big individual stocks guy now. Okay. Just point out Google really shifted the narrative this week about AI. They, uh, had their conference. The stock had been under pressure. CEO had been under pressure and they like came out with 50 different AI announcements in one day. And I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, what, what, what did you think from all the stuff they released? You're going to use any of it? I didn't see it. It was just today. It was today. I was bad. Uh, yes, it was yesterday and today. I can I say my one takeaway from it was they dropped the waiting list and now they're letting everybody in. And I'm like, I don't want to be at the club that lets everybody in. Unless it's a tool and not a club. And then Unless it's, like, it's a tool, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh 
the oh you submit the Palm two large language model. So they're going to let people use it like ChatGPT. Yeah, well, there was a waiting list, though. Like, there was a, yeah. you got to be cool enough to get let in. And now they're like, no, everybody come in. And I'm like, ah, is that the club I want to be at? Um, I think, I look, I think the email thing was cool, where they say to you, uh, do you want you want help writing this email? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the example he used was like an airline where you're writing an email to get money refunded for something. Yeah. And he's saying... There are like buttons where you could say simple, elaborate, and within this, you don't want to go to a separate site. Within Gmail, you can have the AI construct the email and it knows what you're trying to accomplish because it's reading the previous emails in the thread. So it knows that you're in the midst of, you know, fighting to get a, a refund or something. I mean, if that stuff really works as advertised, and I have no reason to think that it won't. It's really going to be a, a a very big difference just in the way that we all go about our lives. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what it means beyond that, but I feel like they announced like some, some substantial stuff. So I don't know. Any thoughts on Google and AI? Yeah, no. not really. Okay. All right, we'll leave it at that. Uh, did you have fun on the show today? I had a fantastic. Time. We had the best time. I'm so glad you came. Uh, I know you do a little, a lot of video throughout the course of the week. So thank you for doing our video. Um, we do this thing called favorites. We end the show with maybe anything that you're reading, listening to, watching that you would recommend to the audience. You want to go first? Sure. I'll go first. All right, do it. This, so the thing that I am most excited about right now, there's this new podcast. It's a video podcast like this one. Uh, it's called it. It is what I think is. It is what it is. What is that? It's so it's a sports podcast, kind of in the vein of like Skip and Skip Bayless and Shannon Ooh. Sharp or Stephen A or whatever. It's but it's it's Mace and Cameron. Oh no! Way. Talking sports. So oh. for for our younger listeners, yeah, uh, yeah, Mace yeah. and Cameron are rappers. Once upon a time, popular. they like they were as big, if not bigger. Then whoever, whatever oh, rapper you yeah. think is a big deal now. Yeah, yeah. So and it's it's just it's them kind of just talking sports, but they're it's just ridiculous. It's like two street dudes who are millionaires, but who aren't really that popular now, having this really just unfiltered because it's like it's clear they don't really care. But is it sports? It's sports. It's all sports. So was it's just Mace, them talking about sports. Did Mace become a preacher or was that a rumor? Yeah, Mace became a preacher, then came back and started rapping about. You know, ran, ran out of money. Came back. <laughs> <Ran out of laughs> money came back. Well, they and had then Puff Daddy together. stole uh, his money. Were they again. horse and carriage? Was that uh, Cameron and Mace? Cameron and Mace. They may have, done, but Cameron and Mace were originally in a group together called Children of the Corn with Big L. I don't know how deep you're. Like it's pretty deep. Okay, yeah, with Big L, <laughs> Mace. This is before Dipset or this after? This is pre-Dipset. pre-dipset. So this is yeah, okay. before when they all were starting. But Big L was still alive. Yeah. So it was Big L, Mace, still Harlem. Car- yeah, Cameron. Like they all came out of yeah, Harlem yeah. and they started this group called Children of the Corn together. And it was that's why he was Murder Mace because all they rapped about was killing people and like you know yeah same same with me all that yeah of course I've my, heard, I've my, heard your mixtape. My rap career in the 90s was sort of a similar trajectory. You definitely tried to do some shit when you were like 15. There was no evidence of this. Yeah. I would just say. (laughs) Yeah. There's innuendo. But are they funny? I know Cameron is funny. It's the funniest thing. You follow him on Instagram? I don't know. I I was not really, because I was never a big Cameron or Mace fan. Okay. But it just, it's so funny. I met met Jim Jones the other night. I was at a Benzinga event down by the uh, Chelsea Piers and it was like a sort of crypto-y. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, the FinTech Awards. And I guess they had Jim Jones there as an investor in some of the FinTech companies. Okay, yeah. And they got him to perform, but it was, the crowd was like not they ready for it. Did you fly high? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, yeah. what? 
Uh, I think I think maybe a little Hey Ma, but Joel Santana wasn't there. Right. They, yeah, yeah. He whatever. He's he's amazing. I love uh, Jim Jones, but um, some of these guys I feel like are more famous now post rap, just on social media. Um, yeah. I think Cameron might kind of fit into. I mean, he's got a couple of hit songs. Yeah, but Cameron's he's he's big. millions of followers on Instagram. Yeah, he's funny. He's because he's funny. I don't. I don't have Instagram. So, right, so this is. Uh, it is what it is. Podcast. Yeah. Hey, we All forgot right. to plug Fitch Proof. Are we doing that this week? I mean, no. No. All right, uh, Michael, you have a favorite. My favorite thing of the week was Succession. Okay. Mm. No spoilers. I haven't watched it. Do you do that every week? I don't think I do. I, I mean, every I, other. No, because it was a lot of sports mm. this week. It was a lot of sports this week. I'm not. Are you watching like a lot of TV shows, or are you just sports and markets? I, yeah, mostly sports and markets. Like I check in with you know the the sort of the water cooler shows just so I know what's up. But I mean, I watch watch basketball every night. Yeah, yeah. this time of year, this time of year, and, and my, every year my wife is like, I can't believe you're still watching basketball because the playoffs like it's like April through yeah. June. Through June, yeah, it's serious. There are people that are doing that and hockey right now. The Not same man. hockey playoffs at the yeah, same time. Abs are out, so I was just like, no, I'm good. Uh, I have a podcast rec also. Joe and Tracy on Odd Lots had a really smart um, semiconductor analyst. I think he's Alliance Bernstein, uh, Stacey Rasgon. And he basically broke down for them in English how AI actually works through the lens of somebody who covers semiconductors. And when you watch financial media these days, it's like alternating between inflation and AI. And those are like the two big things. Yeah. Almost nobody who's an investor who has not like put in any time really understands what it even means that NVIDIA has AI chips and how they work. This guy did such a great job, like literally explaining why NVIDIA, why not AMD, why not Intel and how the technology actually works that everybody is launching and announcing. So I highly recommend checking out that episode of Odd Lots with uh, Joe and Tracy. All right, I think we're going to call it a day. Um, we'll take a, a brief intermission, and then we'll have Dion come back in. We'll do another two hours. Yeah, can I think? just say how offended I am that you Please. mentioned Bloomberg again? <laughs> well, <laughs> not the, that's like, a good point. The disrespect of right. the Wall Street Journal? Right. And after Denver. He went after Denver. You're right. Uh, you went after the Greek community. I You're did in not. So much more trouble. You're in so <laughs> much banks. more trouble than I am today. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug your video series. What I want what I want to do is make sure everyone knows how to find it. So it's a YouTube channel. Yeah. How do they find that channel that features Dion? Yeah, you can just look up Market Takes. That's okay. the easiest way. Or my name Dion Rabowin. There's a lot of vowels in it, uh, yeah, yeah. so it's it's hard to spell. But if they're watching the video, we're gonna link out to it too. Yeah. So. Okay. That's just search for me or market takes on YouTube. All right. You Dion, you killed it on the show today. We're so happy that Thank you came. You. Hope Thank you'll you come back. You come back? Absolutely. What are you doing next week? <laughs> I'll be here. Can I, can I come in? You guys have All right. Me? Shout to uh, Duncan, John, Nicole, Sean in the doc. Everybody did such a great job this week. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you do the reviews and the ratings and all those things. The algorithm demands it. We will be back with you very soon. Have a great week. All right, take us out. All right, edit out anything that could get me uh, canceled. Leave all of Mike's stuff in. We might just have to start over.